when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Newkirk, Sheila from Nightmare on Elm Street, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. All right, folks, I'm actually excited with this guest on the line, and I was telling her through the text as we're going back and forth about this and a few other things, I had to set my game up because this lady on the phone has done so much throughout her career. She's acted, she's written, she has produced, directed, 
you name it, she's probably done it. Hell, she's probably going to get somebody coffee now for lying up. Or she's having somebody else go get the coffee. Tori Newkirk, how you doing? Hello, I will always be a runner and a servant. Would you like some coffee? <laughs> what? Please. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well, very well. What an intro. Well, thank you. Uh, well, first and foremost, and I did promise that we will just do this as a little bit of a tease for Saturday and leave it there, but we are taping on the 15th here, and in a few days, Miss Newkirk here is going to be part of a panel online uh, talking about some recent topics. So I think you can do it better than me. Tell us what this thing is going to be about and uh, who's going to be involved. Oh, wow. Uh, you jumped right into it. Boy. Um, yeah, it's a panel that um, someone reached out to my agent, like you did as well. Um, and I'm trying to, as we speaking, because I didn't know we were going to go there right now, pull up that information. Um, but on the panel, it is, um, it's about, it's basically, it's uh, brought to you by Nebula, and it's a black um, horror, black filmmakers in the horror world. Um, to me, what really caught my interest was um, just being able to, you know, the old added saying is, um, if you're in a horror movie and you're black, you're one of the first to go. Um, and so we never really get the opportunity to dig into um, the craft of it, um, the the thriller of horror movies and the psychological th thrillers that they could be. And um, I'm suspecting that with, you know, Jordan Peele's great success, that maybe some more doors will be open. So um, it's going to be me and, of course, the legendary Keith David, who I stan in so many different ways. He is an amazing actor, thespian. You know, he went to high school for the arts, Juilliard, went on to do some great Shakespearean work. So I'm thrilled to be in his presence. Um, as well, it looks like Ernest Dickerson, who's also a director, is going to be on there, and uh, – uh, Digga, who I really actually like her work, and um, yeah, and then Miss um, Little. So it seems like we're going to be, a, it's, it should be a good panel. I'm excited for it, um, and I'm excited for the open discussion. I think it benefits the NAACP, and um, it's just really good to kind of commune within, um, you know, uh, the community and kind of pick up some ideas and see if we can get some other work started that way. And be really nice to be able to come out with some new horror work um, from a black woman's perspective um, and be the heroine and be one of the final girls. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, yeah. I will put links. I will put links to this both on the audio where you retrieve your audio versions, but the YouTube version as well. So people can go check it out Saturday night. It's seven o'clock Eastern or Pacific. Get all your information there. Uh, how long do you think this will go? This uh, panel? Oh, I can't foresee it going longer than, you know, 45 minutes, the normal an hour, 45 minutes okay. an hour. Yeah. Yeah, but it seems mm -hmm. definitely interesting. I'll post everything. And I wanted to get, because Toy, if you have followed her on social media and everything else, but I promised I wouldn't pick her brain on it. She has mm -hmm. always been an advocate for many different things. So. I'm interested to watch Saturday night to see what you have to say on various topics. Well, yeah, I mean, just to tight, you know, to to walk lightly uh, around some issues that um, 
or maybe they don't even need I I I think a better description of me has always been the underdog. I have read it for, I champion, I um, look as being an empath, I can feel um, many different, and I may not understand and define and know it in the moment, but because I feel so deeply for so many myself and so many other people, um, I've always been one to champion less desired um, causes. Um, and hard to speak out about, especially if you're still trying to work in an industry that um, it's hard to cast yourself and, you know, write your movies and then get them made with financing that's going to come from. And so people kind of, I think, are um, worried to use their voice um, in such a manner. But right now, um, it doesn't feel like a moment to me. It feels like a movement. And yeah. um, my my parents and my aunts and uncles, um, March with Martin Luther King were huge activists. Um, and so growing up in that type of, you know, highly educated um, African-American family um, and having such great, strong opinions, um, just being raised in the household and hearing people talk about it, my parents and brothers while we're doing our house cleaning and um, then to actually think, oh, well, that's not going to happen in my lifetime. And the nuance of it certainly did. Um, you know, I grew up in an all-white, predominantly white neighborhood um, because my father was an engineer and got a job at the studios. So we moved to Studio City when it, in the, like, the 70s when it was nothing. You know, it was Studio City uh, where everyone lived and worked if you worked in the studios. But um, I definitely felt my share of, um, I think it's, you know, subliminal racism, it's the untoward. It's the one that when people say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm white, I have black friends, but then their, their systemic nature finds them saying to me, well, you know, I could never go out with your brothers. You could be my friend and come in the house, but your brothers could never, I could never date them. It's those type of things that you just kind of grew up with as an understanding that it was there. Um, but the awakening for me, and I think for everyone around the world, happened when we watched, truly watched the George Floyd killing. And um, I think that's when everyone, it doesn't matter what race you were, you kind of had an awakening. And I think everyone's been waiting for this moment. And that moment is now a movement. And I hope that this is the final death rattle to racism. Um, it feels like it. It feels like everyone's exposing who they are and where they are in the subject. And um, hopefully it will be something that will be died off, will die off. It's not like, you know, one would say that Corona is going to poof, go away. It's with work and effort and understanding and opening up and being able to talk about some tough um, subjects um, openly and honestly and for myself to receive and for others to receive information that we may or may not know in our own lifetime exists and take it from other people's words that it does exist and it is hurting people to the point of um, people dying and possibly um, is it intentional. So I'm very vocal. Uh, I'm an advocate and I um, and by the grace of God I just I I am an artist who have all has, has always worried about where your next job is going to come from. But at 50 years old, I turned 50 last year, and I just have no filter anymore. Um, I don't want to hurt anyone, but I just want us all to be very honest 
and um, take off our rose-colored glasses and look at life for what it truly is so we can fix it. Because I'm a tree hugger. I mean, by heart, I am a I am a peace loving tree hugger, utopia thinking everything can be unicorn and rainbows. That's my true nature. Um, but I know that I have a, a hyper focused nature, and once I see something that needs to be corrected, I will go all in, um, yeah. not with anger, all with love. But even if it's at the risk of maybe even my own um, future, and that's okay. Because there's some other young man or young woman that may not have the platform, which small platform it is that I have, to say, hey, this is wrong because they are actually being choked out or the knee on their neck or, you know, wrongly prosecuted. So that's what I'm there for. (laughs) Yes. And we can hear more about this discussion on Saturday because I don't want to spend the whole time talking about it, even though we could spend hours talking about these subjects, that's for sure. That's right. That's right. But, but, uh, but I will say this. I think you might get a kick out of this. And yeah. this could be, I, I don't know if you would have been there or not, uh, tied into both into the horror genre. Early on in show history, I was in, we started in Orlando, and I happened to be covering a bar convention and I happened to be in the hotel lobby of where this convention was and I have you know just sitting drinking a beer and look up and I see somebody not related to her checking into the hotel but has been known for being speaking out and trying to get justice for people and that who that who was that sitting there or checking in? Reverend Jesse Jackson. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, and I'm a history guy. And I, you know, I mean, I'm, and full disclosure, I think most people would realize it. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know what people think. Don't care. I'm a white mm-hmm. young male, 35 now. But I've always been a fan of history and the political history and just everything else. So for me to look up and see Reverend Jackson sitting there checking in, he was campaigning for Obama at the time, who was oh, running wow. for re-election. So I I get the nerve to walk over and say, you know, hello, are you who I think you are? Which obviously you know who Jesse Jackson is, you know what I mean? Most people do. I yeah. go, hey, are you? He goes, Tom Hanks? No. <laughs> yeah, that's like, he looked exhausted, but he just, his sense of humor was like, I was like, I popped. I'm like, beautiful, that's great. But no, he, nice guy to say hello to, and I thought it was cool to be able to walk up and say hello to some, whether you agree with him, don't agree with him. I thought it was pretty cool, and just the environment, because it was on the outskirts of a horror convention, which I popped for, too. You know? Right, right, right. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, um, one of the, once in a lifetime type of meeting, um, that's for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) so, uh, before we get into, most people know you from Nightmare on Elm Street part four, but before I get into that, I want to ask you about, because I heard, and you can tell me if it's true or not. When you started getting into producing, was one of your first gigs working for Quentin Tarantino? No, well, I wish it was him, not directly, um, but yes, his company, a band apart. Um, 
was the name of his company. Um, what had happened is I was acting um, guest spot, you know, guest spots and uh, commercials, and I just wasn't hitting. And I was up for this big movie and went to a screen test, and um, that didn't hit, although it was down to me and five other people. And I was just very tired of it. Um, I was propositioned in that movie. I could get the part if I dot, dot, dot. And I lost it. I lost it on the director. And um, if you can imagine, I mean, I've always been, like I said, vocal. I'm not the timid one. Um, and and at that point, I kind of was like, well, I don't know how my career is going to go <laughs> once this go gets out. And I just kind of went off. Um, and I happened to meet a producer um, in that time, during that period. And uh he offered me uh, to come into his office and sit down and see if we could find some work for me. And I was like, that's awesome. And uh, it happened to be Quentin Tarantino's production company. Um, it was broken down into like Mr. Pink, Mr. Brown, like Reservoir Dogs, I believe that's the movie. Um, yeah. And we were, I think, Mr. Brown and Mr. White. And that was his music video or commercial division. And in that, I literally, I didn't start as a producer, I wish. I, um, but I definitely learned my rope. And, and, and I, and I really said, you know what? I'm not going in as an actress, even though I'd been acting by that point for 22 years. I wanted to be able to learn how to do everything so that one day I could run a ship and still act in it and be very secure in knowing I know how to do everything without it being, oh, she's an actress turned producer and, and, you know, she's, and God bless those that can do that as well because they've made, you know, great movies and so they've got some great deals or they can go and produce. Um, but that wasn't my path. And so when I went in there, I we did, gosh, like, Mariah Carey and P. Diddy, music videos, and then as well, we did Coca-Cola commercials, and it was just like kind of a plethora of different um, departments, and we, I bounced with this one producer wherever he went, but I started as literally a coordinator in the office um, from coordinating the shoot, from, you know, pulling permits to calling in from the production manager and getting equipment, like really baseline. And that is the fundamentals of, of everything you've got to learn. And I know from the bottom up how to now do this. So I started there, and then um, I got plucked by a great executive producer, Sarah Nichols. Um, and that was in 2000, where she really was like, come on out to New York. I've got work for you. And I just never stopped working and she was um a beautiful champion a beautiful woman and gave me a lot of knowledge she is the executive like you know as a producer you always need someone to champion you and trust you and what i learned with producing was it is i can only be as good as my department head and in my department head that is the machinery of running um, a well-oiled um, production. And um, we, I found that I would um, use quite a bit of the same people, but I also had a really diverse uh, crew, and I loved that. I loved it, um, that when we'd show up, you couldn't tell who was who uh, because it was just so diverse with men and women of, different colors and ethnicities and that was my world that's what I learned I wanted to create behind the scenes 
um, when it was time for me to graduate from Sarah, I went on to, um, I wanted to learn how to stream from radio, you know, from your world and broadcast that day. And so when I got coached by the Howard Stern show, um, hey now, I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I wanted to learn that knowledge. That's why I went there. Yeah, so I was going to ask, because you said about turning heads and everything else like that, what a place to go turn your head, uh, working for Howard Stern. Yeah, you know, it was, um, it's funny because Howard Stern was really big out in the Valley um, in the 80s, 90s growing up. Like, you would listen to Howard Stern. I know. He was very, I've been for 30, yeah. 20 years. Yeah, he was vulgar. He was and I loved it. I loved that he pushed the envelope. I got the craft. I didn't mind. Um, you know, again, though, I am a young woman that had never been violated, right? So my sexuality was always intact. I've never been harmed by a man. I have two older brothers, a great father. I have always been protected. And with that, very conservative, though, mother in a Catholic world. So I was always curious to know how far one can go. And Howard Stern, for me, was, like, the best example of, like, throwing caution to the wind and saying, fuck it. Now, excuse my language, but he is an amazing... Yeah, you can say it. <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing dude. Um, I loved working for him and really um, Doug, Doug Epstein, is that his last name? And yeah. uh, Ganji, Mike Ganji, they were my actual direct bosses because they ran the production side of it. And um, talk about, I mean, again, really great guys. We didn't, I was the only female producer at the time I was there amongst um, all the editors, all of the uh, producers, and I was the only one of color in the room and only female, um, except for Brittany, but she was like more of a production coordinator and she was great um but we would have to take turns like one week you were in the studio at 4 a.m getting everything up and ready and those were the weird moments for me because i was in new york city kind of traveling by myself to get to work um but again everything was always i've always made life really exciting for me i love challenges and i love doing things that um, no one said or everyone just assumed I wouldn't or couldn't do. And it was the same with acting, if I digress for a second. And most of my parts that I did do when I was younger, 90210, any soap opera, any part that looked like it was just a white show or a black girl showed up, it was because I pushed my agents, just send me on anything. Just dare the casting director to say, I don't even know. It's a guest star role. Just bring her in and read her for something. And that's how I booked the majority of those type of roles, was it was intended for a white girl, but I went in and read it, or an Asian girl, or a Mexican girl, or a black you know, And I was just, like, adamant that let me play the character and not let the character be, be defined by a race. Um, and so I kind of took my producing, writing, directing career the same way as don't limit yourself on what work you can do. So that when the time comes when I actually want to do my real projects, which are now coming to fruition, um, then I can do it all. And that was the main – I think I stayed longer than I had intended, though. You know, I stayed on yeah. the side of the camera as long as I was in front of the camera. So that wasn't intentional. <laughs> but here we are. But that's 
You know, it makes it entertaining for sure. And I will leave this at, in there for as far as how it's concerned, because I don't know if you still listen or not, I'm curious. But he has matured throughout the time, because I know you mentioned about the wild and crazy stuff and all that. There's still mm-hmm. that there, but there's a certain gravitas, I guess is the word I might be thinking of, because at a certain point you got to – He's in his mid-60s. He goes, you know, i got to grow up at some point. <laughs> right. Right. We all do. And we all should be expected to change. And we should all be exactly. expected that that change is going to happen, and some people are going to press against it, rage against it. But either you're going to embrace it or not. I'm sure I haven't listened to it since I left. Um, I left Howard Stern, I think, in 2008 because I got a call to go back into the documentary world. Um, yeah. and I just really, it was, it was time for me to move, but I haven't listened since then. Um, yeah. but I, I, I gotta say it was one of those, you know, like he would throw these awesome Christmas parties, you know, like, you know, oh, like I've heard that. It, yeah, just like good stuff. <laughs> like, you know, I tried to win a purse, but I didn't get it, but it was like this really expensive purse that, you know, you had to raffle for it. Just like, my experience there and Robin Quivers was amazing. I wish I was closer, awesome. but I was, yeah, I wasn't on set. You see, we worked remotely at the in-demand, on-demand network. So I was producing from the network side. There are certain team members who shot would go down there. Sometimes I would go on set, but it was not a big, so I would really get to know people on the, at the party level or if I had to go down there and talk to, um, Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Oh, but <laughs> let's change topics here because I don't want to keep you on the phone for hours and hours. Obviously, like I said, people know you from Nightmare for playing the character of Sheila. Uh, well, first off, with the Nightmare series, I really appreciate it. And back and forth uh, with Lisa Wilcox, cause we're gonna, she, who was previously on the show. Uh, but she did the thing with uh, Stop the Nightmare. I'm guessing that was an easy yes when she uh, called or texted you and said, hey, can we uh, do this? Or do you want to be a part of it? Oh, yeah, that was really good. Um, you know, we had um, – Lisa stayed actually right before all the COVID happened. Lisa was making her big move from uh, – uh, branching out and just kind of moving, I think, to a different area, a different place. And so she stayed here with my – um my partner and I and um and we got to spend some time and it was right before COVID hit literally like a week before and we were talking about the rumors of what COVID was and so you know whether to take it serious or not and um giving her my experience because I travel a lot I was in New York a lot and um I got sick in a hotel and I was telling her about this in like late January and um, so that when they actually hit and when she had the epiphany of changing the song to cope match the what's going on with the pandemic, um, it was brilliant. It was an easy get. She sent us all, like, you know, all of us from every Nightmare series because we're all, we all have each other's number, whether we're close or not, but everyone was on this mass text um, from Nightmare 1 to Nightmare I don't know which one Ricky Dean was on, but he was in there too. So it depends on who answered um, or who saw the text because it happened really quick. I just happened to see the text. 
And I was like, oh, hey, sure, what do you want me to do? And then she sent me a, you know, say this line, and I didn't think anything of it. She sure, no problem. Brookie, Brookie said, no problem. Who's ever in it said, great, and they answered. But I think it was like a window of like two days, and then she kicked it over to her producers, and it was out within a four-day period, five-day period. So some people who may have skipped over the air house, sometimes you see a text, you're like, okay, I'll get back to that, but you don't. And some of those people probably are like, damn, I didn't see this. So I'm sure she got some calls after the fact, but we had already yeah. locked. And um, I was just happy that I was, you know, because sometimes I'm the, on the late freight with those things, and I was just happy I was able to um, – to be a part of it and support, you know, any we any endeavors she had. But we, I think we do that naturally as a group, which is really cool, you know. Yeah. It's, I, I well, like our alumni. Yes. How can you not? It's a great bunch of alumni for sure. No. You mentioned uh, here that you've done stuff producing and everything else on the documentary side of things. So what did you think of Never Sleep Again, the documentary? Uh, Heather Lang Camp and her camp uh, put together. With Tommy Hudson, is that the one? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was, again, it was strange times for me. I was working in New York City and Tommy sent a crew to interview me. At that point, I hadn't thought about Nightmare on Elm Street in 20 some years. It hadn't, it, I didn't realize that there was a resurgence, I didn't realize there was conventions. So when the camera crew came to me, I was um, always honest and sometimes too honest. I've <laughs> never got sent a copy of it, so I've actually never seen it, the documentary. Um, but the repercussions of what I said in that documentary, I had absolutely felt um, and um, have had to answer so many questions around it. And again, because I haven't seen it, but I know what they're speaking about because I told the story. Um, I told the story because it happened, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Um, Such as the looping I, of the lines and things like that? Yeah, and the looping of the lines and the little spat with Rennie. And I've since seen Rennie. Uh, we saw Rennie about a year ago. He came to one of our little – there were some events that we all got, got invited to at the Man's Chinese Theater, and he flew in for it, and I flew in as well. And um, that was really great to see him and hug him, and, you know, we like each other's posts. I don't know how much of it got blown out of proportion, and, um, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a great documentary. I like that he was able to get everyone. I, you know, yeah. And if it's if well, it represents, yeah. Well, I will share uh, a particular link, and I won't say where it's to because I don't want to put it down or anything like that. So you get a chance to sit, sit and watch it. Oh, that'd be so, great. No, I'll that'd send be that awesome. over to you. Yeah, that'd but, be awesome. You know, yeah, but, you know, ironically, I, I hired Tommy Hudson. Oops. Um, I hired Tommy Hudson in 2012 or 11 to be a writer on a project I had over at Hulu. Um, and it was the most disorganized, awful run of a show, but it was wonderful because I, again, I was doing something that I'd never done, which is live streaming, um, and, and streaming that type of digital content. And that was another world that I wanted to be able to familiarize myself with, um, in case. Was that I the morning to. after? Yeah, that was the morning after. And so Tommy, um, 
came on board. I think he was with us for like eight months, something like that. And he's a, I mean, really clever, witty guy. But again, even then I hadn't seen, you know, I just hadn't seen it, um, Never Sleep Again. And I think maybe because I didn't know that it was going to be used, whatever I had said in that way. I should have known it's what I do for a living. <laughs> and I just, I just thought I was talking to some guy. So, so, but. Um, yeah, like I said, I'll send you a link to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I think I, I think, I mean, I've heard, I, I think it's about the whole Rennie thing, correct? Uh, well, there's several things that people have said, but that was one of them, but I had no, uh, I'll send you the whole link to see the whole documentary if you choose to watch it or just go That'd back to the scene. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I don't want to keep you too much longer here, but if you folks, if you want to see what's going on with Toy or the events, like I said, the event this Saturday, I'll post links to that on both versions. And but then check her out. We to- have- go ahead. I want to go, go in there. We have, um, if you want to go to Zobi, Zobi Productions at Z-O-B-I-E Productions.com, um, we just recently signed with them, the Nightmare on Elm Street gang, and they are um, uh, doing autographs and shout out, video shout outs as well. You can go through them to get that done. Um, and then we have the um, horror, the Nebula Black Horror Film Festival or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but we will post links. But I was going to say, uh, if you want to specifically see about Toy, it's toynewcoat.com. She has a website. But also follow her on Instagram at toynewcoat. Toy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for talking with me. Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's going to make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope want to jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, 
and installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com.